It's Talking Tuesday. Welcome to the podcast wow. daily. The trademark, though. I know. We're, yeah, we're like getting that. that. We own it now. Uh, I declare trademark. <laughs> That's how it works, folks. That's how it works. That's Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward. Ohio State back on their normal weekly schedule. So Ryan Day and Jim Knowles expected to talk later on, on to later today, which is Tuesday, about Ohio State and Maryland. So we are going to get a sneak peek at all of Bill Landis's questions uh, for the Buckeyes Brain Trust. I wrote mine, my five questions for the Buckeyes this week, which was a lot more extensive and potentially, I don't know, negative than I thought they would be. There were there are things to nitpick with this team, Yep, things to talk about. Last week kind of held off on that. Did understand that celebrating a win over an undefeated team on the road in that fashion deserved a little bit of breathing room. But uh, there are some things on my mind about Ohio State that it needs to perhaps address before winning the Big Ten or a national championship. So I wonder where you will begin today. I like that you use the word uh, sneak peek to describe what we're about to do because I, I legitimately want to ask about quarterback sneaks. Oh, um, And I'm actually, I'm regretting, I did not ask Kyle McCord about it last week when we talked to him, but I, I wish I would have to just get a idea of like his comfort level with doing those things. I think that's part of the equation, but it goes to the point of short yardage, right? Which I know you, you wrote about in, in your written questions, but it just seems so simple. And maybe that's because I'm an Eagles fan and I watch the Eagles so much that they make it look automatic. Um, although they almost didn't get one uh, on Sunday. Um, but I'm watching teams across college football do it more importantly. I watched Penn State do it several times uh, the other day against Northwestern. Uh, I watched, uh, was it Washington State last week score a touchdown? On the quarterback sneak, with and they're just pushing people across the across the line. Same thing the Eagles are doing. It is within the rule book. I don't know why you don't do it. Ohio State, I don't think has ever really done it that way. They've done more of the the bluff to the sideline. Like I don't know what the play is. Let me get under center. Speed oops, sneak. Oops, we snapped it. And is that what they call? It? They call it the speed sneak. That's what I'm calling it. I like that. That's a good name. But I mean, there's for as simple of a play as it is, you can run it a few different ways. And Ohio State hasn't tried it in a while. Um, I'm actually I, I plan to do this. And I apologize to our viewers and listeners for not having done this already. I'm going to go back through like every instance of third and one and fourth and one during the Ryan Day era to see like what they did and how many times they've done a quarterback sneak because we know they did it with Justin, very famous one in the Fiesta Bowl right yeah. against Clemson. Um, I don't believe they've done it since Justin has left. I, I could be wrong, but I, I think that's the case. Um, I don't remember CJ sneaking. Out. Yeah, it just it's it's a comfort thing with a quarterback again, but it just seems like something they need to add to their arsenal as they try to figure out how they're going to get a yard when they need to get a yard. I don't think that's the answer to their red zone questions because I don't think you want to be sneaking in on the goal line and having the ball across the plane, did it across the plane, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when it's third and one or fourth and one in the middle of the field, I think you'd like to know that you can get that via via that play. So I'm, I want to ask Ryan Day about it. I also want to ask Jim Knowles about it too. Like, what is the difficulty in stopping or? Not stopping a, a play like that. Man, they looked really good against the QB sneak that Notre Dame tried. Right, I mean, that great. was great. Uh, it yeah. was fun to break that down on Buckeye Q last week with Zach Bourne. Like, the four defensive linemen were packed in there. They submarine below the pads. Tommy Eichenberg flew over the top like Superman. And then you had Sonny Styles and Lathan Ransom filling to the gaps on the outside. And a huge hit. Like, it's not easy to stop. That's, again, why the quarterback sneak has been used for as long as I've been alive, yeah, since, and I'll, since a lot longer since the game started. <laughs> uh, so it has its use, its usefulness. Was it the Penn State that tried that with Aller from like the three? And it was like maybe that's not the answer. Yeah. Oh, well, the thing, the thing that is funny about that is like if you think back to the Justin Fields days, I want to say they average like three yards per play on quarterback sneaks. So you can get more than a yard. But yeah, I'm not trying to 
it's not it's not my short red zone play. I guess I'll put it that way. But I don't I don't think there's any harm in, in trying to do it at other places when third or one and fourth or one. Like I, it is actually it's more difficult than I think we we want to give offenses uh, credit for or benefit of a doubt for um, because defenses know there's only so many things you're probably willing to try in those situations. But to not try the sneak, I think, is a little silly, especially in a world where a high state already goes under center so much anyway. It just seems like a relatively simple thing that they could do that, for whatever reason, they're not doing or have not done yet to this point. So I want to pick Ryan Brain's Ryan Brain, Ryan Day's brain on that. So you want to pack it in and get some sneaks that I'm out here advocating for chucking it all over the yard. Well, that's fine too. That works too. <laughs> I like I like a, a you know a 15 yard pass on fourth and one as an expert. Well, you know what you can do. You can also spread it out and leave Marvin Emeka on the field. And then still sneak from there without yeah. necessarily going full tush push, which I'm not sure that I love the name of that play, but oh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I don't know how it became it caught on so quickly that that's what everybody <laughs> catch on fast. I was like, wait, we're calling it that now? Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, it's it's it rhymes. It's nice. Yeah, rhymes are important. All right, so that's where we're starting. Quarterback sneaks, short yardage. Um, I I want to see some more from the passing attack down there personally. I think that's the solution when really it feels like they've tried just about everything short of the sneak when you're putting in Caden Curry as a fullback, when you're adding Luke Montgomery and then playing, you know, three tight ends. Like, all right, adding more beef to the equation hasn't solved it. Right. And then when they scored, yes, Notre Dame had 10, but Marvin and Mecca were still on the field and you have to honor that and be worried about the threat of the pass. And I think that that's, just has to be part of the equation as well. Yeah, I think it does. I think I think the more they lean on their sort of base personnel, the better in, in all facets of offense. Um, which is another question. I uh, we'll see if it gets asked. I, I I don't know. Maybe I won't have the opportunity to ask it. But I I am continually curious about like where they're going with the passing attack. Which is I think we talked about a little bit on the, on the Monday daily. Like, was there anything from the third downs or the two minute drill? that was instructive about the way that they want to utilize Kyle McCord and these receivers moving forward because, um, you know, as much as – I think they pretty clearly think the tight end is a position of strength for them. I'm not necessarily saying that it's not. I just don't think it's as much of a strength as receiver. And they did get away from playing 12 personnel. They did not play it much at all against Notre Dame. It was it was pretty rare. Um, and it was mostly in short yardage. So is that is that where this is trending? More 11 personnel, more spread out more quick game, that kind of stuff, more RPOs. Like I, I don't know. Um, and I guess the only real answer we'll get to that will come on Saturdays. But um, when Kyle McCord is as good as he was at the most pivotal moments of that game, sort of doing similar things that maybe running a little bit counter to what Ohio State have been trying to do previously, um, that to me seems like something you want to build off of. But I don't know if Ryan Davies is the same way. I was, I was trying to think about that a little bit more after we talked on the Monday episode about like taking the lessons of the plays that are working when their backs are against the wall, which are their best concepts. And it, we used to see that all the time, and that would just be how they would slice everybody up and march down the field. And like Don Brown in Michigan had no idea how to stop the crossers in the mesh and all that other stuff across the middle of the field. And it seems like there was, and I don't know, this is pure speculation, like Ryan Day maybe had felt like other defenses were catching up on how to defend that. He's like, well, this can no longer be the base component of the offense. We need to evolve to something else. But most everybody else I still don't think is equipped to stop it because yeah. there is so much skill on that team. Right. You can you can call like the zone plays that help negate some of that, but you still have to be able to run with them, right? <laughs> you have to have the athletes, I think, to do it. I think I think zoning off rather than playing man 
helps somewhat, but I don't think it's the it's a magic bullet to stop it. And it does. It felt like from 2018 to like the middle of 2019, there might have been maybe an overcorrection in, in some of and getting away from some of that. I think part of it too is the quarterback strengths, right? I think Justin Fields is just much more comfortable bombing that thing down the sideline and letting receivers go make plays. Maybe he was diagnosing the middle of the field and hitting guys in stride. Um, Dwayne was great at that. I think that's probably Kyle McCord's strength. I, I don't, I don't want to say that definitely because I think we need to watch Kyle more. But I think he has the touch and the vision and the anticipation to work in those areas of the field perhaps more than we've seen Ohio State do um, in the first four games. Anything else on offense on your mind? Um, no, I think we're like – you can be critical of offensive line play, I think, if you want to. And I, I think I have been and are still curious about it, but I don't anticipate anything changing there. So maybe just like getting a continued evaluation from Ryan Day and where they are sort of generically um and then like a general like what's up with marv's ankle i guess is probably a pretty important question too <laughs> yeah he it, he's a guy that i said it several times last week he, he needed the off week i i don't think he would have been at full strength if they had had to play maryland on saturday the off week came at a good time with for everybody collectively after the toll uh, physical toll that the notre dame game took but specific to marvin's ankle like we know that on Wednesday, he still went out there. He taped it up. He was still on the Monarch. He was still catching balls. Like he would have probably played no matter what, because he did. He came. He didn't even miss a snap uh, after Notre Dame. You know, trying to after testing that out and getting that looked at and putting some tape on the outside of the cleats. Like he's as tough as they come. Sometimes that part is overlooked. Kyle McCord tried to make that point a little bit more on Wednesday, and, and I've talked about that before. Like with some of the training camp issues that he worked through, the big hit against Indiana. Last year with that ankle, like he, just because he doesn't talk about it and he's never listed on the availability report doesn't mean that he's going out and playing at, a, at full speed in every single game. And I think it would have been pretty clear that like, well, on Saturday he wouldn't have been. I don't know how much further, how much more progress you get one week later, but it, you assume it would help it in some some form of fashion. I just don't know the extent. Yeah, I, I will say this. As someone who sprained my ankles a whole lot, like to different levels of severity, one – some some very bad where I couldn't walk for days and others others more minor. Um, I thought it was good that we saw him walking, like even putting weight on it on that Wednesday after the Notre Dame game. So I think if he ends up being limited, or I, I think he'll play. Like I'm not, I don't think we're alert for Marvin not playing this right. week. Um, it'll be precautionary. I think Ohio State probably hopes that this game can get a little lopsided early to protect Marvin. But I think, you know, if they were playing Michigan on Saturday, I think he'd be suited up and ready to go for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you do whatever it takes in that situation. And you look at Maryland defensively, I think there's probably an assumption that Ohio State doesn't need to be at full strength to score points against them. But maybe I'll be wrong. We'll find out on Saturday uh, at noon. Defensively for the Buckeyes, what what's on your mind for Jim Knowles? So I've... I talked about this with Doug on Kings of the North on, on Monday. Um, so for those who didn't watch that, this will be new for those who did. I apologize for repeating myself. But <laughs> they are um, they're more like bend but don't break than even like, like I realized, which is a, I, I don't think it's a bad way of doing business. It's just a very stark change for Jim Knowles. Sure it is. And what he's done in his career. And like we've talked a little bit about that with him over the last couple of weeks. But I still think there's more to dig into there like – the impetus of it, his comfortability with it, what this summer was like, like trying to formulate a plan, knowing that he wanted to operate that way, or, or maybe he didn't know that and he kind of came across the or, or came to the conclusion at some point deeper into the offseason, closer to the season. I, I don't know, but 
They're really good at keeping teams out of the end zone, which is the only thing that matters. They've given up five touchdowns this year. Um, if you look at stuff like available yards, like more kind of in-depth um, advanced stats, like available yards and first down rate, they don't look very good. But then on the flip side of that, they're about as good as you possibly can be at keeping teams out of the end zone. So if that's all you care about, then that's all you care about. And they're eliminating explosive plays. And I think those are the two things, right? They Last year, they gave up a bunch of explosive plays. And when they did, they were usually touchdowns. This year, they're negating both of those so far. I think Maryland would be a good test of that, or a better test maybe than they've seen most other weeks. But um, I, I think it's really difficult for coaches to change, especially like in the middle of a season or, or from one season to another and not, and not have it be more gradual. So I kind of want to know like where Jim Knowles is with all that because he's doing a thing that I think many of his colleagues would perhaps not be willing or able to do. There may be an element of this where you can add to the aggression as needed. Mm-hmm. And just because the first month of the season was more been don't break than Jim Knowles is known for or comfortable with or however you want to phrase it. Like if they decide that they need to do they can do that. If the offense takes enough steps forward, they're like, all right, Jim, you, you can go ahead and try and force something to happen here, you know, bring a blitz or get creative to get after the quarterback or whatever, confusing coverage to try and get an interception, like whatever. I think there may be a part of this where Ryan Day and Jim Knowles have a a clearer understanding of what is needed from each other than they did a year ago. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, that's coming from outside. I don't, I'm just trying to analyze what we see. It would, it shouldn't be that much more difficult if the, if the base stuff, if the bottom line bend but don't break approach is working fine. You don't have to change it, but you can. There's more, it'd be easier to ramp that up potentially than to scale it back. Yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. I also think too that this is, if you think about what High State did defensively Ryan Day's first year as head coach, now it gets it gets twisted a little because Chase Young was so good, <laughs> but the way that they played defensively was keep everything in front of you, don't give up explosive plays, try to keep the other team out of the end zone, and, and don't don't be over-aggressive to the point of exposing yourself where like all of a sudden the offense is in a track meet that they don't really want to be in. Um, they weren't really capable of that really every year after 2019 until probably last year. So this, I think, more more or less jives with what Ryan Day wants from his defense. So I, I think it's pretty clear that that's where the edict, if you want to call it that, came from to play more more this way. But I, I do think you're right. I think if you're – and they're not like I, – I think they're just sort of like just, – they're just playing, right? They're not they're – not, I don't think they're willingly like saying, hey, don't go get the quarterback. Don't try to like, – they're just like kind of lining up whenever happens, happens. And they're, they've been pretty stout, I think. Um, but we know the athletes they have. So, and uh, Jim Knowles uses words like unleash in the offseason with a guy like CJ Hicks. Maybe that's still on the table. It doesn't have to be CJ Hicks. It could be anybody. It could be Sonny Styles. It could mm-hmm. be Lathan Ransom. Um, we know that there's more in that bag in terms of like pressures and simulated pressures and all that stuff that Jim Knowles can go to whenever he wants. And I think, I think that mere knowledge is, uh, from other teams is actually helping them because Jim Knowles' talking point this year has been not so much aggressiveness, but unpredictability. And I think like playing it fairly straight up, but having that little seed in the back of an offense's head, like, hey, at any time this guy can do a zero blitz and we don't know when he's going to do it, I think is actually to Ohio State's benefit as long as they're not actually constantly zero blitzing. <laughs> on every third and nine? Yeah, on every third and nine. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah. What else is on your mind? I wrote about the pass rush as well. So Yeah, I think, I think the pass rush is a good one. Um, 
I think that something we talked about like the last week or so about just generally finding a little more depth on the defensive line, I think could help them. So what, what does Jim Knowles think of like hero canoe or uh, we saw like Jason Warloss's black stripe um, after the Notre Dame game. Like, is he someone who potentially could, could get a few more snaps here as the season goes along. Um, and then what the plan is like for Caden, uh, Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson, because I'm sure you and I are, are like-minded and we thought both those guys would probably be a little bit more of the, Yep. defense than they have been, especially in the Notre Dame game when they basically didn't play. That was pretty surprising to me. Not that I expected them to play a bunch, but for Jack and JT to play literally every snap, but and I think they did play every snap, right? That that was not what I expected. So what needs to happen with those two guys in particular at defensive end for them to um, supplement what you're going to get from JT and Jack? Yeah, that part was interesting because when I was looking at you know the win rate percentages and they weren't very encouraging for Ohio State, I mean, Kenyatta Jackson was in this arbitrary cutoff point that I had, which was comparing them to Penn State and who was above 15%. And there were four for Ohio State, and Kenyatta was the fourth. And they, well, he didn't play a single defensive snap against Notre Dame. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. I do think it's important for this top-line starters for JT to play as many snaps as humanly possible. I think I don't quite put Jack Sawyer currently in that same boat. Um, and that's... Uh, I don't think that's – I'm not saying that as a slight to Jack as much as a compliment to JT and the work that he's put in. He was still able to deliver two of his finest plays on the final defensive drive of the game after playing every snap. So that part is true that you don't have to use got to stay fresh for the fourth quarter as your justification for rotating. But if the effectiveness is not there, and, and this is the part that I can't say definitively. Maybe Jim Knowles is, is happy with the – way they're grading out on the pass rush. He said before the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game, he felt that way. Like, they weren't upset about it and the sacks and, and the number of hurries and pressures and all the other things. Like, he felt that they were playing well. And if that's truly the case, fine. I mean, they're giving up eight and a half points a game. That's pretty darn good without some of this other stuff. But when you're playing Penn State or Michigan or competing for a college football playoff, I think it's going to have to probably be better than what it has been. And solely relying on those two at defensive end is probably not the path forward. And that's more not that they can't play well at the end of the game, taking every snap because they did a decent enough job against Notre Dame, but maybe it's a different look for Caden Curry or Kenyatta Jackson, whether that's kicking inside in the Rushman package or just a different person to come in on a third and long. I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not the coach. That's Larry Johnson's responsibility, but there's the two-man approach didn't seem like that's uh, sustainable in the long term. That, that is the thing for me. I, I and having I've gone back and watched the defense now a couple times against Notre Dame. I'm I'm less on like the they got worn down train than I was watching it initially. Um, but I worry about the season long impact of that. Like if, if they're going to get to the Michigan game and JT Jack and Tyleek Williams have all played like 600 snaps. Like I, I don't know that doesn't feel great. So I, I think you want to. In a game like this, coming up against Maryland or the Purdue game the week after that, or like literally anyone else who's not Penn State and Michigan and maybe Wisconsin, we'll see how that goes. Um, can you find ways to, to steal a little bit of rest for those guys that you can get in the bank and then use at the end of the season? Because I'm with you. You want your best guys on the field in the most important moments. Um, it just feels like those 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 three mainly, my call is like right on the cusp of being on a similar, similar level to them in terms of snap count. Um, they're playing a lot, and I just worry about the season-long toll of that. But I don't... I don't have much of a problem with playing your best guys for every meaningful snap when you're playing a team like Notre Dame. Yeah, and, and again, my thing has never been that 
absolutely any situation, no matter what, leave the starters on the field like that. The point was largely for some of these other games that we're talking about, maybe Maryland, uh, Purdue the week after that, or a Rutgers, like let them take them all early and then get the game over with and then let them rest. Over the course of a game, I understand that you have to use sub packages. That's the way the game works. I still don't think that that was like a negative or harm to Ohio State against Notre Dame, but I, I think that maybe Kenyatta from the outside, just watching those limited snaps, Kenyatta and Caden Curry, may be able to bring something that's a little bit different yes. than what Jack Sawyer does. Yeah, that that's a point worth making, I think, over and over again. It's not it's not merely just playing. It's like they both – Caden Curry's motor is ridiculous, and he's like also a weird body type for his position. I think he's hard to prepare for. And Kenyatta is long-levered and I think probably faster off the ball than, than Jack and JTR. And it's a different style of, of defensive end. Why not throw that at an offensive line to see how they handle it? Um it's not that they have to split 50-50 reps. It's like you have some change-ups. Why not use them? Sure. And it, it, was, it was just a little odd to me that they didn't use them against Notre Dame. All right. Anything else? Going to ask Jim Knowles what he thinks about the birds being undefeated. Mm. Um, off to a good start. Seems like Philadelphia is a little unsure about this unbeaten start. Like, are they being held to like a different standard than everybody else this year or yeah, what? Like, it does. I feel like when I watch the Eagles, I feel like the discourse is like the Ohio State discourse. It's like, yeah, you won, but why didn't you win by more? It's like, oh. like, I find myself thinking that, too. I was like, I get it now. I get it. You're in, <laughs> you're in those shoes? Yeah, I was like, I understand. But what do you have to do? You win every game. Yes. I mean, yeah. And it doesn't even count as much in the NFL. Like, you don't have to win every game. But Jalen Hurts pretty much does, so. He does. He's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And they quarterback sneak it a lot. They sure do. It's very effective. That's why it's on your mind, because you it's watch it every week with the Burgers. I do, because they run it six times a game, and it always works. <laughs> all right, so we'll get into all that. A lot of quarterback sneak coming later on Tuesday, I promise. Bill is fired up for that. <laughs> We're going to get into that with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles. Their press conference will be later on today, Tuesday. Uh, thanks for joining us to start it on the podcast daily. A uh, lot more coverage coming. Some snappy Jays later on today. Uh, when's the next Kings coming? That Wednesday? Well, Kings of Columbus on Wednesday. All right. And then some, some Buck IQ betting show. Everything back. A normal week for Ohio State as they get ready for Maryland on Saturday at noon. He's Bill. I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.